I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. Hey, if you came in here today, by the way, I'm Kinsley Jordan. I'm our, uh, this is a new title. We'll try it on and see how you like it. Social pastor for online. Hey, the online family. Hey, social pastor, what's going on? Uh, the, 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 I'm a worship pastor, social pastor uh, to our online family. It's so good to be with you. Listen, I love you guys. It's, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be uh, here with you to be able to share this message. Uh, and, and this is one thing that I want you to know. If you're here in the sanctuary, you'll see this in your seat. You're like, gosh, oh my gosh, they're doing something different. Why are they doing something different? Grab this, if you don't have this. If you don't have one, there's out in the foyer. I want you to grab this. Because October 24th, that's today. Today's a Sunday, in case you didn't know. October 24th of today is your opportunity to literally transform your life with one simple step. Like, Kinsley, that's a pretty bombastic claim. If you will spend as much time this week applying what is on this sheet of paper that we talk about today, if you spend as much time applying this to your life as I have spent preparing and listening to the Lord and as, as Pastor Brad has spent preparing and listening to the Lord, your life will never be the same ever again from October 24th, 2021. Notice none of that had to do with me popping into your home and giving you a rah-rah pop-up speech every day. No, it had to do with you. This got really unpopular really fast. Thank you to my praise section over here for agreeing with me. But here's the reality. This is what I'm asking you to do. So, so say this with me. Say it together. Say it with me. Say, Kinsley, I promise to do exactly what you say. If you don't, you're a liar. And we know what happens to liars. No, I'm just kidding. But guys, I'm serious about it. I, I, I ask you to do this. This is your call to action. I'm just gonna tell you straight up front. You literally have the, the ability to change your life right now. To step into being an unbreakable, unshakable man and woman of God. That sounds kind of attractive. I'm talking about when you walk, when you walk into a place, you're not worried about what's gonna happen in the situation because you already know what God said about it before you walked in because you know that God already took care of the battle. And I'll start right here. If you are willing to commit to apply what we're gonna talk about this morning to your life, mark my words, I will give you a full refund if I'm wrong, but I'm not. If you apply this to your life as religiously as, no, I'm not going to say religiously, I hate religion. As, as systematically as you check Facebook first thing in the morning, oh, Lord, it just got hot in here. If you, if you all apply this to your life, what we're going to talk about, and this is why it's so important, is because October 24th today, 2021, is your chance to be transformed forever. And the hard thing is, is some of you are saying, Kinsley, I don't need that. You absolutely need it because you don't think you need it. I wrote the message and I need it. I'm preaching to myself because I need to hear it again. You'll transform your life. Not because of the power that's in you, but because of what the power that God has placed in you. <laughs> I, uh, I have loved this season in my life with kids. I just love it. 
my gosh, I thought I knew what love was. Like mar- getting married was cool. But then you, act, you have children and you actually find out, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother depth of love. And I'm told that when you're a grandparent, it gets even deeper and amazing. But I love the honest things that come out of my son's mouth. Caden, gosh. And Hadley, Lord have mercy. We were in Oklahoma City last weekend. <laughs> we were in Oklahoma City last weekend. And uh, uh, we were just going around. It was a fun day. It was a yes day. Whatever they said, I said yes. It's my favorite day. It's Brooks. Most hated day. Because I'm the easy yes guy. I'm like, hey, dad, can we do this? Yes! Brooke's like, mm, yeah. Because she's a logical one. I love it. I'm out of control. She's logical. We're a great balance. But we were going to this place. We were walking downtown, and there was this, like, roped-off area, this kind of VIP area. You could tell, like, people who, know, who are supposed to be there know who they are. And if you don't know you're supposed to be there, then you're not supposed to be there. And we were walking by. And, and Caden just bebops to his own team, man. Him and Hadley just do their own thing. And he was walking along, and, and he started going over towards this, like, VIP area place. And it's like, Caden, 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 we, we, hey, buddy, we can't go over there. That's for special people. Come on, let's go over here. And I have never seen so much judgment come out of a four-year-old, 10-month child. I've never seen so much judgment come out of anybody's expression than in that moment when my son corrected me and looked at me and scolded me all with one look. It was like this. And he said the words that literally shook me to the core. <laughs> Dad, we are special. And then he did the next thing. Then he did the next thing is he turned and proceeded to walk into the VIP area. <laughs> My boy just doesn't know that he's special. He walks in it. It was this moment that I was like, oh my God, I don't know who I am. My son knows that I don't anymore. It was just like, it was crazy. But the amazing thing to me was the reality that there was no other truth besides that. He knows that we are special. And if we don't, if the special people don't get into the special place, then the special party ain't gonna happen. And he turned to walk on in. See, I had a perception from that situation based on what I gathered from the information. VIP, I didn't get an invite. I don't know what the party was about. I have no idea. I had this perception of what was going on there and what was acceptable. But my son, he had a totally different reality. But isn't it interesting, oftentimes, we live our life based off of the perception of a situation and not the reality. Because if one of us was right in that scenario, it was my son, not me. Dad, (laughs) we are special people. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, as we talk about this perception, we've been in an amazing series. Yeah, The Haunted Heart. Wow, Pastor Brad brought a phenomenal message, not just talking about the, the, the hurt of the past, but if we don't deal with the past situations, it's going to affect our present and our future. So we were talking about working through those past issues, right? You know, the baggage, the chains, the issues that cause our tissues. I don't have anything else to rhyme with. That was it. And today we're talking about the present, the perception of the present, the present time right now. And there's a couple things that we have to outline straight from the get-go just to make sure that, that uh, we're on the same page because this is actually very, very important that we get this. It's it, what is fact 
what is truth, what is reality, and what is perception. Now, Pastor Brad did a message a while ago. It was called True North. And what that message talked about is what fact is, what truth is, and then how, how that becomes a truth that you live in your guiding belief system. So I just want to go through some definitions real quick um, that are really important. What is fact? If something is fact, F-A-C-T, what is fact? Okay. How do you know something's fact? Okay. By what? It can be, they're saying it's proven. It can be proven by what? In an area, in an era of fake news and fake everything and real everything, how do you know what fact is? Is it what the consensus tells you? I'll help you along. The definition of fact is this. Something that truly exists and happens, something, uh, something that truly exists and happens. Something that has objective, quantifiable data-based existence proven to be true or actually happened. It's fact. It's history. It's, it's data-backed. What is fact? Right now, the fact is it's 70 degrees in here. Fact. Right? Fact. It is. You don't believe me? Look at the thermostat. It is. Truth. So what is truth? Truth is a statement or idea that has, that is true based on the fact. So, so it's, it's a statement or an idea that pulls in the, the data, the, the, the data, the proof, right? It pulls in the proof that is based upon the fact, the data, the situation. It's also a guiding, think about this, truth is a verb. It's a guiding belief derived when a person's life experience, your experience, and your psychological understanding align with the objective data that is a, cent, cent, that is a central fact. So what that means is this, there's fact out here. Right? Objective fact. 70, 70 degrees in here. Cold, hard fact has already been fact. And then, and then there's your life experience. Truth in your life happens when you bring the objective fact and that lines up in your life with your experiences and you recognize, hey, I've seen that. That is true. That's when truth becomes real to you. For us in our faith, truth, for me, it was my journey when I went through. I'll, I'll tell you, I got sick of religion. I got sick of it. I'm tired of it. That's why I say I, don't, I hate religion. Not about religion. I'm about relationship. Two totally different things. Religion, put Jesus on the cross. Relationship, got him off. It did. I, in fact, I was so, so confused and frustrated by what I was seeing in religion, I set out to actually prove that Jesus was not real. And the only place it led me, it led me a bunch of research a bunch of history, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of research into archaeological uh, artifacts and, and old texts. And there was this book called The Case for Christ, which was awesome. And you know what I found out? There is more evidence proving that Jesus was a real living, tangible person on this earth than there is proof that we orbit around the sun. You're like, oh, Kinsley, I don't know if that's true. Name one astronaut that's been to the sun. His name was Bert Crispy. No, just, just <laughs> stupid dad joke. Get out of here. Get out of astronaut Bert Crispy. There's more proof that Jesus was real. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of thousands of testimonies over hundreds of years from all different locations that tell the same story. 
You can't even get two people in a car accident to collaborate the same story that were in the same car. And you expect me to believe that Jesus is fake when hundreds of authors, authors over different time periods describe the exact same thing? Truth. Because it is fact aligned with my experience of knowing a Jesus and it becomes truth. It's truth in my life. Now, here, here's the part we really have, have to own into. Reality, there is a reality that we live, the truth, the truth of reality that we live, and there is perception. And this is what we're honing in on. There's the truth, the reality of a situation that you live, and then there's perceptions of a situation. Here's a, this is what reality says. Reality is the world or the state of things that, that actually exist, how things actually are. The truth of facts, not an idealistic notion and speculation about a situation. So reality is not your opinion about a situation, not what you think about a situation is. I told you it's 70 degrees in here right now. How many people are cold? Okay. How many people are hot? Your perception is that you're cold or that you're hot. Reality is that thing's 70 degrees. Some of y'all are going to put a parka on and a jacket next time. Some of y'all are going to strip down to something else and keep something on. But that's the difference. There is reality. It is 70 degrees. There's a reality that this light is blue behind me. There's a reality I'm wearing tan pants. There's a reality you are sitting in that chair. And then there is perception of how you view and the feeling that you have and what you're seeing and the data, that, what you collect from that situation. That is perception. Now, why are these dangerous? I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. That was awesome. I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you why. Thank you for asking. The, the reality is perception is defined by what you think and what you feel that you are seeing. Reality is defined by what actually, factually is happening. You ever had a moment in your life where you thought things were a certain way and then the truth comes out and you realize that you're, you are making decisions based off of an incorrect perception but the reality was completely different. You know, there was another group of people. I'm excited about this. Are you guys excited about that? I don't think, I, you're not there yet. That's okay. Lord, we'll give them a second. We'll give them some time. There are some other people who are excited about this as well, who had this revelation. They're in 2 Kings chapter 6. If you will turn to that, throw it up on the screen. And a guy named Elisha. Now, he was a prophet that performed wonders. I mean, truly, he, he was a man of God. He was a prophet. People knew Elisha. And, there, and there's this, if we can get rid of the background so they can read it. And there, there's this, uh, the, the, uh, in this situation, as he throws it up there, I'll read it to you. It says, so the, so the king, so there's a king, the Armenian king. And he wanted to find out where Elisha was. And he goes on to say, this, so, the, so he said, the king, go and see where he is that I may send and go get him. Another translation says that I may capture him. Another translation says that I can kill him. So the king is saying, hey, find out where Elisha is. I'm going to go get him because I've heard some things and I don't like it. Is he for us? Is he against us? Let's find him. And the, and the king was told, surely he is in Dothan. Next. 
So therefore he sent the horses and chariots and a great army there and they surrounded, they came there at night and surrounded the city. So imagine being in the city, you go to bed, it's great, you have your little chimney, you're, you know, you're cooking out with your little blackstone, whatever. You wake up in the morning and boom, there's an army surrounding you. That was the, that was the situation for this guy. Next. The servant of the man of God, which is Elijah's servant, he woke up in the morning and he went out and there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. Now, what was his perception? His perception was he woke up one morning, he walked out, he saw that the city was surrounded by chariots, and then if his name was Kinsley, he went and got his little knapsack and he packed his little things away, and I scurried away because I'm terrified. And I just live out the back door. But what he did, good for him, glad he did, but he looked at the situation and he said, there's an army surrounding the city, and his servant, the servant told Elijah, go back real quick. Servant told Elijah, uh, let's see, where are we at? Army surrounding the city and chariots. And his servant told him, alas, master, what should we do? He's reacting off the perception. There's a fear there. What do we do? What do we do? We're surrounded. What do we do? They weren't here last night. And they're here today. It's like the worst version of Amazon. It just shows up. And Elijah said this. And the servant. So Elijah answered him, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Does that sound... Does that statement sound like it's coming from somebody who is moved by the perception of what he sees or feels? Because as the servant looked at it, he's like, what are you talking about? We are literally surrounded right now. But Elijah said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. Next. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and, to the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of chariots of fire all around Elijah. The perception was, is we're surrounded. The reality was, I'm not surrounded. My enemy is surrounded. Right now in your life, what is it that you have been saying to yourself of Kinsley? No, you don't understand. This is how the situation is. The paperwork's going through, it's over. Kinsley, this is how the situation is. You don't understand. I fought it for a long time. This is how it is. Guess what? My opinion doesn't matter. There's only one thing that matters, and it's just as Elijah did, looking to see what the king said about the situation. What does God say about this situation? And, and the interesting thing was, is, is when Elijah clung to truth and he said, no, 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 no. What you see is incorrect. It's a perception. It's deceit. It's, it, you're being deceived. That's not actually what's going on. I, I love that we just sang that song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. I feel like Elijah was probably singing that. Praising, he was like, dude, what are you worried about, man? We got chariots in the mountains. And they're on fire. Like, how cool is awesome? That's awesome. But we get so wrapped up about the perception. And the last thing is this, is that when, when Elijah, when Elijah moved, when he moved on the reality, of, the reality of the situation, not the perception, but when Elijah moved on the reality of the situation, what happens next? Throw it up there. When he asked God to open their eyes, 
He said, strike, the, strike these people, pray with blindness. And, he, and God struck them with blindness according to Elijah's word. When we move on the reality of what God says about the situation, God shows up. There's nothing left to say. When you don't feed into the perception and the lies of what, think, what you think is happening, what you feel is happening, and you're saying, Kinsley, this is a situation. Guess what? I don't care about this situation. I care about what the author said. What did the author say about it? The author said, I'm not surrounded. They're surrounded. The author said, there's a dining table being made so I can dine in the middle of my enemies because they're about to get crushed. What is the reality in your life. Point one is this. Perception is not reality. Now I know, hold on, like just hold on to your tomatoes. Well, Kinsley, I've always heard that perception is reality. And you know, if people perceive something, then that must be what's going on. Yeah, if you're too lazy to find out the truth. You're right, you're right. You're, I'll, I'll give that. Perception is reality if you are too lazy to find out the truth for yourself. But perception is not reality. You know, I'm an instructor pilot. I've been an instructor. I'm, I'm an instructor pilot in the Air Force. I'm getting ready to transition to a new job. Um, uh, and, and, and I'm not going to be flying in that capacity anymore. But one of the things I've learned as an instructor pilot is this. Is, it's a revelation I've had probably after three or four years of being an instructor pilot. It's this. Is that my job is not to teach a student to land a plane. You're like, okay, what is your job? (laughs) My job is to enable a student to recognize a perception that is incorrect and teach them a process to be able to realign that incorrect perception back to reality so they don't kill themselves. I can teach a student to land when there's no wind and it's a beautiful day. And if they just keep on just shacking that away and they're doing a great job, wonderful. But what happens when trials, tribulations, and challenges come? What happens when the weather goes from not a cloud in the sky down to almost zero or 200 feet off the deck with crosswinds in a combat area? I'm glad that you can do it one time when the situation is perfect, but have you built a process that will bring you from this tragic situation and bring you back to the reality so that you can live and not die? My job as an instructor is not just to teach students to fly planes. It's to teach, it's to teach students to be able to walk through this, pro, this process, to be proficient in a fluid and diverse changing environment. What does that mean? I don't need you to do one thing perfectly. I need you to be able to do that thing in any situation. The amazing thing is there's been a couple times as, as, I, as I think about this, is it the process of getting yourself away from a, your, the perception of, of a situation back to the reality of what God says about it? The process is everything. The process is where the victory is in it. And you've got to realize that if, how do you, how do you recognize a misperception, how do you recognize a perception that's incorrect if you don't know what reality is? This is getting good. If you never know the foundation of what the reality of a situation is, then you will buy off on a perception as truth. And you'll never recognize that it's actually not true. All you'll do is just keep living life off of this perception of a situation. But God says there's a different reality. God says, I'm surrounding your enemies. God says, I'm here to move in you. I'm I'm here to be able to back you. But so many times we make this 
movement based on the perception. The perception of the situation. There's one time um, when I was deployed, you can play the video. We do air refueling. So we're two, two aircraft coming really close to, together. We take on about 125,000 pounds of fuel, something like that. This video is actually me. I found it on YouTube. It's kind of scary to find a video of yourself. <laughs> it's a little bit terrifying. But this video is an example of what air refueling is. It was actually one of our combat missions. And you'll see up here that there's these lights. These lights, you see them? Little lights on the bottom of the belly. There's two little tiny, look at that, look at that head. Gosh, that guy, mm, he's amazing. Look, see, see these, these lights on the bottom of the belly? There's two little lights on two little lines. One dot will tell you you're high or low and the other dot will tell you to go forward or aft. Welcome to technology. This is how, this is how we, get, we get fuel. And there was a situation, it was a night mission, it was in the middle of a desert area. And, and the thing about the desert is it is darker than darker than dark. I mean, there's nothing out there. There's no street lights, there's nothing. The power grids go down. There's nothing on the ground. There was no stars in the sky. There was no moon in the sky. There was nothing. There was an over, overcast cloud layer above, some clouds broken between. There was nothing. And because of the situation, we didn't have any lights on. And the only thing that we could see is these two little dancing lights. Only two times in my life as a pilot where I thought, I'm not going to make it home. And this was one of them. It's because as I was looking at the situation, my body started telling me, dude, you're like 90 degrees angle bank. Hey, man, like you're tumbling. You're, you're, you're upside down. And I started having this angst and this panic because I'm like, oh my gosh, like this feels all wrong, this feels all wrong. And I was, it, was, it started getting so chaotic that I, I know what the lights were telling me. They were telling me I was in perfect position. And I asked my co-pilot, I was like, hey man, are we level? He was like, yeah. Yeah, are you okay? I'm just sweating, holding on to the yoke, adjusting the throttles. Hey, you're sure we're level? Yeah. What's your problem? I don't believe you. Hey, so I, so I uh, got, on the, got on the intercom to the other plane. Hey, boom, are we level? Ask the pilots up front, are we level right now? I was like, yeah, what, what is your problem? Yes, we're level. The, the, the co-pilot looked at the instrument panel and said, no, man, the, we're wings level, it's totally fine. But my body was telling me, my perception was that we were, all, we were tumbling out of the sky, completely 90 degrees angle of bank, crashing into the ground. I was so scared, I couldn't even get off the boom. I wanted to punch off the boom to be able to get us right, but I was too afraid to because that was the only thing keeping me stable. And it was this horrible, chaotic situation where I felt like I couldn't trust anything and I wasn't going to come home that if I took action, I would actually end up killing, our, killing us instead of saving us. And it wasn't even a situation to be saved from. It was just getting gas. We do it all the time, three times. Three times a mission. And I remember going back to the reality of our training. And there was these words I'll never forget. I said, trust your instruments, trust your crew. Trust your instruments and trust your crew. That's something I've been told and trained on a long time ago, well before I ever went on a combat mission, well before anything else. Trust your instruments and trust your crew. And I cannot even tell you how difficult it was to say no to the perception of what my body was feeling and what my senses were telling me and what my eyes were telling me. My eyes were telling me I was fine, but my body, my feelings are a really powerful thing. You know what I mean? 
It's like if a junior high bullet, feelings can be a really powerful thing. Amen. Problems coming around. Hey, your body can start telling you things and your mind is like, no, that's not true. You need to get back to the reality of the situation. You are about to make a decision off of perception that is going to kill you. You've got to get yourself back to the reality of the situation. And the reality is you are completely fine if you stay right here. Perception is not reality. Because if you choose to live by perception, it means you are going to die by the absence of truth. If I made the choice to believe and trust myself of what was going on, there's no doubt that there would be a memorial service every single year for the crew of Whistler 5-2 because I planted it in and killed everybody on the, on the, on the aircraft. I have no doubt. So how can, you realize, how can you recognize those moments in your life, the perception that you're living, and get yourself back to reality? Because if we're living off of perception, all it's doing is guiding us away from the truth. The enemy is a deceiver. He's a destroyer. He's an accuser. He has no, no new tricks. What he does is he'll take, what, he'll take something God created, he'll pervert it just a little bit, he'll get you to believe it, and as you start believing it, he'll take you farther and farther away from the support system and farther and farther away from the truth, and then as soon as you are far enough away that if, if, if you're alone, you would die, he turns his back on you and says, look at this sinner, look at this cheater, look at this habitual liar, look at this person who doesn't know what the truth is. And all he does is try to get you bought off into a perception so he can lead you away. So he can lead you away. Because perception is nothing but a situational sensation. A temporary feeling. But reality is an objective truth that is founded in fact. What does that mean for your life? God has said things and created things in you that you don't believe. God has said and spoken things and is moving in a situation, in your situation, but, but we're so caught up on the situation itself, we're paying so much attention to what the enemy doing and what the perception is of the situation that we're not giving the power to the one who can actually fix the situation. That we spend more time looking, looking at the perception of what's going on instead of actually getting back to what God says about us. The second thing is this, is that we've, we have to stop making eternal foundational decisions based on temporary sensational feelings. Don't believe me? Look at Facebook. Look at Facebook. Very few times is there anything encouraging on there, ever. There's always people spouting off, well, I think this and I think that and this person ought to be blah, blah, blah. And, and it, you know, all these things are just... This is just a terrible situation and I can't believe, I can't believe that's happening. And where, <laughs> where is the reality of what God has said about our relationship towards other people? We have two, two commands as, Je- as Jesus was asked about it. It was the most important command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. An interesting revelation is he tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Why? Is because when you love God, he's able to download into you the reality of who you are, right. the truth of who you are. 
And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself because when you have had the download from God saying, I have called you a man or woman of God, I've called you victorious, I called you an overcomer, you are of my airship, you are of my kingdom, you're the salt and not the light, you are renewed in the knowledge of him who created you. When you realize that's who you are, then you can truly love someone as yourself because you have learned the love from the king. There's a lot, a lot of us, and again, I'm just talking to myself, friends. There's a lot of us who have tried to find our completeness in other people that are completely broken. The group of guys, absolutely love them. The Mighty Men, Band of Brothers, they're cool. And the one thing we started realizing is this, is it's talking about it doesn't matter what the situation is with the spouse or the workers. Your responsibility remains the same regardless of what they, how they respond. We're called to be a man of God, man of God, which means we are patient, kind, keep no records of wrongdoing, that we are steadfast because we are founded on what God says about us and who he calls us to be. If someone reacts a certain way, guess what? That's not my responsibility. My responsibility was to be a man of God and keep my eyes focused upon the king. And because my eyes are focused upon the king and because my eyes are focused on what God says about me, now the other person is going to see that. You know how attractive joy is? Woo, baby, that is, and that's what I'm talking about. You find somebody who has true joy in Jesus, you will want to be around them all the time. All the time. Why? Not because they say anything cool or not because they have the best message or anything like that. Because you recognize that because your spirit was made to be joyful. Your spirit recognizes why it was created. You can say, I don't, I don't know why I'm so, I'm so drawn to this person. I'll tell you why. Because God put it in your spirit to begin with, that you are supposed to be brought together by people who sharpen you. But it's hard to do that when you're so focused on the perception of the situation. You know, Jesus is so interesting in the wilderness he and Elijah, Elisha had several things in common. <laughs> they really did. It was amazing. He spent 40 years in the, de in the desert. Or 40 years. Gosh, that would have been a long time. 40 days in the desert. 40 days in the desert fasting. And it says in, in Matthew 4, chapter 1 through 11, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. Next. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. He had this feeling of hunger. Next. Now the tempter came to him and said, if, if you are the son of God, see how he does that? See how he does that? He takes the, the reality, and the interest, he takes the reality of what God has said, and he twists it. If you're the son of God, then, then command these stones to turn into bread. And how did Jesus respond? Jesus answered, well, my opinion is that I feel like I love God. How did Jesus respond? Well, you know, I think, devil, that's an, inter that's an interesting interpretation of the, of the scriptures, but I think that I love God and he's going to make everything okay. Is that how you responded? This guy has spent 40 days fasting. The feeling of the situation is probably worn out, exhausted, tired, and the last thing that he wants to do is be tempted by a tempter. And when asked and given the opportunity to give in to the perception of a situation, what does Jesus say? 
it is written. <laughs> it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Next. The devil came back. He said, took him up to the holy city, the pinnacle of the temple. Next. And he said, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down because isn't it written? I mean, you know the word, isn't it? Isn't it written that he shall have his angels save you, that you won't dash your foot upon, uh, uh, angels charge over you and their hands shall bear you up unless you dash your foot upon a stone? I mean, it's written that way. And Jesus said what? It is written. See, there's, there's this perception that the enemy is trying to pull you away from and get you away from the only place you have power, which is what God has said about you. And if he can get you so focused on the situation and what you think about the situation and how you feel about the situation, then he can extract you from the only weapon you have, which is the word of God. It is written. He asked him again one more time. Next. And the devil took him to exceeding high mountains and showed him all of the kingdoms of all of the world and their glory. Next. And he said, all of these things I'll give to you if you just bow down and worship me. It's not that hard. I'm not asking you to, I'm not asking you to do anything else. Just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone and you shall serve. The interesting thing is just like Elijah, the perception of the situation was it was bleak, it was dire, it didn't look good, and it looked like you really only have one option in this situation. But the reality was is that when you take the time to go back to the foundation that God has given you and what he says about you, God shows up. Because in the next line, what happens? Jesus said, away from me, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God only, and the devil, go back, go back one, and the devil fled. You should worship him and him alone. And then the devil left him and behold, the angels came to minister to Jesus. That when you go back to the reality, God shows up. The question is this, are you okay? Are you okay? There's one more. I'm telling you, this is transformational. October 24th, it's gonna change your life. Three is this, the reality, reality is not defined by your perception. It is confined by his power. Think about that. Your reality, your truth, the fact of the situation is not defined by the perception of what you think and feel. It is literally blocked in and confined by what God says about the situation. Go back to Elisha. Elisha stood there and his servant was panicked and he said, but, but the perception is we're, we're blocked. This is gonna be bad. And you know, what, you know what Elisha said? No, 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 no. God has confined my enemy so they can't get away. I'm not gonna be moved by their perception. Have you forgotten what God has placed in you? But the truth is, if we were really honest with ourselves, I mean, let's cut the crap and just get down to reality. Some of us have forgotten that. We have forgotten what God has said about me. We have forgotten what God has said about your 
marriage and your life and your finance and the hurt that you have from losing your spouse or, or, or the hurt that you have from things that have happened in a relationship or the hurt that you have from getting fired or, or, or whatever it is. The reality is most of us right now are focused more on the situation and how we feel about it than we are the reality of what God says about it. And we know that for one reason, because in 1 John chapter 4, it says this. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them being the enemy. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is so interesting. This is New Testament, but it didn't Elijah say this about didn't Elijah say this about, didn't Elijah say this about those same enemies? It's so funny that the message and the power of God doesn't change from thousands of years ago to today, which means if it is true in the Old Testament and it's true today with Jesus saying it, it's true for you. Go back one. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world next. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as though they are of the world. What does that look like? Well, my opinion is, well, I think the cancer is terminal. There's no hope. Listen, COVID has her too far gone. She's not gonna get up and walk out of there. Listen, they've been in the wheelchair for too many years. The muscles aren't gonna come back to life. Listen, there's been too much hurt and angst in the marriage or the relationship. There's just no way we can mend this. That's what it sounds like to be of the world. But what does it sound like to be of God? Because what God says next, and the world hears what they say, go to the next. What God says is, we are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us, but this we know because the spirit of what? Truth. I wanna ask you a question. If you will, just look at me, put down your phone, whatever it is, and I want you to grab that sheet of paper. Hopefully you've been taking notes. I want you to flip it over to the back. As I close, you know that uh, I'm a bit of a special breed. I'm a little bit eccentric in my ways. And I love having a daughter that I can just terrorize with it. Hadley and I were going through a drive-thru and as a moment of just being goofy, I said, you know, I'm gonna change my, I'm gonna change my language and I'm gonna change how I'm talking just to like goof around. And as a good dad, I have the responsibility to carry this all the way through the drive-thru, right? And as she slides down with her hoodie on saying, Dad, no. I think she was even saying the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Lord, no. I was having a great time. And we, and we drove away and it was a couple, couple blocks away and she was totally silent, which is interesting for Hadley. And her hoodie came off and she looked at me, kind of like Caden gave me that look. She said, are you not embarrassed? 
as though she's saying, I have given you four blocks to acknowledge that you are the goofiest goober ever. Are you not embarrassed? And I'll tell you, if I went home to be with the Lord today, I would cherish the fullness that I've had with my children because in the moment I got to turn around and say, no, because I know who I am in God. I don't care if some checkout person hears me talking a crazy language. I don't care. You know why? Because I know who God says I am. I don't need their approval. I don't work for their approval. I don't care about the opinion of others. I focus myself on what the King has said about me. Am I embarrassed? No, because as a man of God, I don't walk in fear of another man or another woman. I walk in the fear of the King, the one and only. And today I would ask you this. Some of us, if we're being honest, we have forgotten, or maybe we never knew who God has said we are. On the back of this sheet, if you will stand to your feet. You will, on the back of this sheet are the I am's all throughout Ephesians and Corinthians and John and Matthew of what God has specifically spoken over you of what he has specifically said about you. God says that you are spiritually blessed in heavenly places in Christ. Do you feel that way? Have you been listening to the perception of the situation or have you been listening to the reality of what your king says about you? Because a lot of us have a lot of situations that we need God to show up, but you know how he shows up is starting to realize who he has already put in the fight. That was you. Because Christ in you changes everything. Do you feel like you're a new creation? Or do you feel like that you are washed up and you can never be forgiven for what's happened? Do you feel as though you have the, the, the revelation knowledge of, of the king who created you? Or do you feel as though that I'm just getting old and I'm forgetting things? Do you feel, do you know in your heart that he has set you to be victorious and an overcomer? Or are you listening to the words that have been spoken over you by the world for the last 20 years? Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestenid.com connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestenid.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.